talking about um we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. I want to kind of talk about it from the perspective of where we've all come from, what we were all taught. But I want to also look real closely at how is it that Jesus wore? What did Jesus's fight look like? Are we willing to look at the scriptures and look at his life and just look at Jesus and how he did things, but I also want us to be aware of um, something very important that I think is important, aside from looking at Jesus, is considering um, while Jesus was in the earth and then how everything changed once he was resurrected. I don't think we pay enough, enough attention to his resurrection, which is one reason why I wanted to go ahead and do this teaching, because as we approach um, the resurrections weekend as we um, walk into our Passover, as we move into that area, I think that our final message could be powerful as we see what type of intercession, what type of warfare Jesus actually engaged in. And so that's where we're going with this. I always like to tell you that I don't teach so that we can bash other people, bash other ministries. That's not why we're here. People are very effective in their theologies and in the doctrines that they have in place. But what I always try to tell you is something very, very simple, very simple. Wherever you're at, that's where your belief system is, right? God can move wherever you might be at the time in your theology. If your theology is in, I can only be free of this stronghold over my life if I fast for 40 days that's the only way it can go, then, you know, at the end of those 40 days, you're probably going to get your breakthrough. But what if you're one of those people that were saying, hey, man, the Lord told me I am healed and I am healed right now in Jesus name. All my faith is in that place. You know, what if your faith was there? Are you saying he can't do it unless there's this 40 day time frame or this process that we've been told to do? Can the demon not leave if I just say, go in Jesus' name? Where is my faith? So I want you to know that this is on the backdrop of that conversation. And I also want you to know that we add a lot of stuff to the stuff that God has put in place for us. And we have to realize that that is a truth, not an option. And also one thing that we, uh, there's, a, there's a scripture we use all the time for the prophetic, but it's really a scripture that applies to everything in the Bible. We only know in part. We only know in part. We prophesy in part. In other words, we release the revealing of Christ in part. All prophecy is, is the revealing of Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. We all know that Holy Spirit's number one mandate on, on the inside of us is to reveal the will of the Father. He can't do anything but that. So everything concerning the prophetic is really about the revealing of Christ. That's how we simplify it in the conservatory. And I've taught you this before. People say that, oh, that's a strong anointing. That's Holy Spirit. Look at the prophetic gifting in her. That's Holy Spirit. Man, she can prophesy the house down. That's Holy Spirit. Look at them. The healing anointing is here. That's Holy Spirit. I mean, 
It's all the work of the spirit. We have different names for it. And we know that it's different ministrations. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12. So we want to be sure that we have that understanding that there are, are many releases of gifts in the earth. There are many different kinds of callings and different, because there, you listen, we have these people joining us today, some conservators, some are guests. But listen, when I tell you this, Everybody has a revelation of Jesus that's fitting to them. Just think about that for a minute. You're saved because of some revelation that you had. <laughs> We're all here together because there's a revelation that we had. You know, and I think I shared with you last Sunday that we need to rethink what the word revelation means. Sometimes we get so caught up on things like, oh, that's a word of wisdom. That's a word of knowledge. But really all revelation is, is understanding. Because when something that you have not known is released and made known to you through a word of knowledge or through a word of wisdom, it becomes understanding and you're never the same again because you now have comprehension. That's why the scripture tells us in all of our getting, get understanding. So, oh, God gave me a revolution, a revelation of the scribe. That's understanding. He gave me an understanding. Oh, God gave me a revelation of love. That's understanding. So I want to be sure that um, we're on the same page as conservators, because if we're, if we're not, we will miss this one simple premise. Everything is about the revealing of Christ. Can we agree on that? We are supposed to be revealing the kingdom. That was Jesus's ministry in the earth realm. He was revealing the father. The father tried, he came in the old covenant he went with Adam and with Eve. He, his whole purpose was to reveal himself to them. And we saw the thousands of years he tried to do that. He tried to do that. And, and then ultimately he came up with, um, he would, the Holy, Holy Spirit would show up. He said, I'm going to send Holy Spirit here. I'm going to send Holy Spirit there. But we have God trying to reveal himself to humanity. Then we get to the new covenant. And the Lord said, let me clothe myself as a man and come down into the earth and, 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 and let me demonstrate who I am and let me suffer as men so that I can see and help them get through. So now you have Jesus, the son of the living God in the earth. And what is he doing? He's still trying to reveal the father. He's still trying to reveal the father. So he leaves you know, through thank God for the resurrection, the crucifixion and the resurrection. And he says, listen, I have to go because as Jesus, I can only do one thing. I can only reach so many people. I can only do so much, but I'm going to give you the greatest gift that you have ever been given. I'm giving you Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit can truly be who God is. All things everywhere, all the time, omniscient, omnipresent omnipotent. I mean, he can be all of those things. So one of the greatest releases 
of holy of of Jesus's resurrection was the living holy spirit that would come you know on the day of pentecost we received salvation we received that good old blood sacrifice and that was good but without the outpouring of holy spirit we would have still been in the same position as the israelites <laughs> so holy spirit is here but again the same mandate comes down what is his purpose revealing Christ, which is revealing the Father. We've also talked about the apostolic mind. I'm just going through things the Lord is releasing in my heart this morning um, to you because we have to understand that the apostolic mind is the fullness of God. It's not just being full of the Spirit because people can be saved, they can prophesy, they can have the gifts working through them and still be just as immature as the man in the moon we have the fullness of the god on the inside of us fullness which is the mind of christ so our maturity is all about coming greater into let this mind be in you that is in christ jesus let this mind so the apostolic is the mind of jesus it's the mind of christ in the earth what do i mean by that I mean that the mind of Christ, how Christ thinks, how he lived, how, how he lives in his emotions, how he sees the father, how he views humanity, how he loves us. He's processing eternity through that mind. And every day we're trying to grow deeper and deeper into that place of eternity, which is eternal intention that we may be all be one as I am one. Is this helping so far? I'm just trying to set, set the stage because we've taught on all of this. So you have it, but without understanding those parts, what I'm about to share with you will seem like heresy as we move forward. But I want you to understand that Jesus was walking out of an of a apostolic mind. God is the apostolic. He's called forth an apostolic people. Remember, we are influenced by the prophetic. We're led by the prophetic. We're pulled by the prophetic. We're drawn in by the prophetic. We're nurtured by the prophetic. We're um, embraced by the prophetic. Presence pulls us in. We are spirit just like God. So we can move here and we can move there, but in the new covenant, they were not in, in the new covenant. They were not able to do this in the old covenant, but in the new covenant, we have the apostolic mind of God and we have the prophetic. What does that mean? It means, Father, I feel led to do this, but is it expedient right now? right? So the, 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 we can feel the move of God, but the apostolic comes and say, is it time yet? Is this the most expeditious thing you can do? Does this line up with what Jesus said, not just what we feel or what we sense? So the apostolic and the prophetic have to walk together. They, they can't be separate. We didn't get to that part 
when we were doing Ephesians 4.11 ministry, but maybe I'll pick it up after this. But I want you to really grasp. Oh my goodness. Philippians 2 and 5. Thank you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2 and 16, it says, for who have known the mind of the Lord? Oh my God that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So the question, and the only question I'm gonna ask you today is, how did Jesus war? Not Paul, not Peter, not James, not John. We're not looking at Moses, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus is greater. Hebrews 3. The whole book of Colossians. We want to not negate Jesus. We want to do what, what Paul said in this sense, I preach Christ crucified. We have to preach him crucified. Because if not, we're going to continuously look at Christ, Jesus as a man. Oh, I don't know where this scripture is, but it just came in my, in my spirit. I think it's 2 Corinthians. I could be wrong. But the scripture says we no longer, although we once regarded Christ, Jesus, and from his human perspective, we are to no longer do so. I rarely hear people teach on that. So if we're not to regard, regard Jesus from when he was in the earth, and they mean don't, don't hold on to everything because there's, Jesus has finished it now. You got to see him in his new place. Sometimes it's hard to see Jesus as Jesus Christ. As Jesus Christ. Listen, so I'm going to take you slow. I have to because there'll be a lot of um, questions, but I, I want you to really kind of get this this evening. So this is what I was taught. And if you were not taught this, I'm just gonna ask you to throw some of your differences in the chat box so that I can be sure that I kind of address them. But I'm gonna go through what I believe I was raised up in all my life. Listen, the first I'll say, I started changing my perspective on this back in 2011 because I, no, 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 2010 when I started a book called um, Scribal Warfare. I never published the book because I couldn't get through it because I had a block in what I understood about um, spiritual warfare. It wasn't adding up. So God used this book for me to, I mean, I'm writing a book. Oh my God, scribal warfare. Lord, I, I don't, I bought the domain name back in 2008 or 2009. Then I'm, here I am writing this book. I'm gonna teach them how to war through writing. I'm gonna teach them. And the Lord was like, I started writing all this stuff out that I was taught and none of it made sense. Now this is me. I'm talking what I was taught. I'm not speaking for any of you. So I've been meditating on this long before I met my mentor, at least seven years. I would sit down with my pastor and he would, he would say, Teresa, you're right. 
He said, that's why you never see me teach that. That's why you never see me talk about that. That's why, and he was still trying to figure it out. But we had the most converse, most amazing conversations, just one-on-one during lunchtime, you know, during the week when I would just drive up when everybody was gone and hang out with him. And we'd have these most wonderful conversations. And again, this is for you to learn and to question it yourself. I'm, you can go on and fight all you want to. I'm not telling you not to do that. If it works for you, because I've had people, listen, I've had mature believers tell me, well, it works. I'm not going to stop. You know, what if Apollos had a said, preaching John works? I mean, my God. Spirit. John the Baptist is enough. Well, that's why the, the Jews got rebuked. Because all they wanted to teach was Moses. They did not want to, they did not want to understand that the Christ had come. You still say, but not unto Jesus in that sense. We can still get all of this done, but we're going to be tired, exhausted, beat up, full of works. If you're okay with that, that's fine. I'm not telling you what to do. Just don't pray for me. Just don't, just don't pray for me. That's all I'm saying. Or my family. Father, we just thank you in the name of Jesus for all that you're doing, for how you're leading and guiding us. I just pray today, Father, that as we go through this teaching, we're going through as students, that we're not afraid to study the Bible, that we're not afraid to rethink things that we've been taught all of our lives. I was taught this all of my life. I even heard it before I accepted Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. I found myself as an unbeliever, believing more in darkness than I believed in the light of the world. Father, all I want is for you to reveal yourself to us through your spirit, that's living on the inside. Father, that's our only prayer over today. And that Lord, we understand by the heart of what you're trying to release, line upon line, precept upon precept in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that if there's anyone here that probably shouldn't be, that Lord, you go ahead and you move on their hearts to leave. I'm not offended. But Father, I pray that those who are here will go back and listen to past teachings so they have context. Lord, those that are new and coming, that they have context. Father, that, that those who have the uh, some maturity and you're already moving them in this direction, that they will know how to study and go further and farther in what you're speaking to us. This is, not, this is a conservatory teaching. It's not for the whole world. Hopefully, Lord, people will begin to awaken and understand this. And I know that some already are. I've met them. Some are further along even than I am. But we're believing you, God, for everything that you desire to do on the inside of that of us because we only know and we only prophesy in part. That's the blessing of the New Testament, God. The new agreement, the new covenant 
is that no man has a moratorium on any understanding. We only have facets. Thank God for 1 Corinthians 12 and all that it implies. Lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is what I learned. I'm going to just share with you briefly. From a Christian perspective, I was taught that um, spiritual warfare was a belief and an ongoing battle between God and Satan. It was as if the battle never ended. Or this war against good and evil, as if there was no outcome for a victor, as if we were still waiting on a savior. I was taught that spiritual warfare was a battle between the forces of good and evil in the spiritual realm. And it is based on the belief that there is a spirituality, spiritual reality beyond what we can see and that there are spiritual forces at work in the world. That's what I was taught. And I'm going to tell you, there is a spiritual battle and there is spiritual warfare. There is. We're wrestling daily to stay in the mind of Christ, to remain apostolic. We are foreigners in this world, but we are at home in the spirit. So the first thing that I want you to know is that I believe in spiritual warfare, but the difference is I believe God has won. So I want you to just take a minute um, to just understand that God has won. I don't believe it's a battle of one greater than the other anymore because God is greater than all. I, and I, I hope that makes sense. No one can convince me that the adversary, the devil, is greater than God. No one. No one. I want my faith to begin there. I hope you all are following me with that one premises. God is greater than all. Somehow, every conservator has to be convinced of this. Greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you shall be condemned. I'm a king. I'm a priest. I'm protected in the beloved. I and the father are one. All of those things are true or they are lies. You have to decide. Because the way that I was taught and the way that I grew up can't speak for you. It was as if none of those things were true. Are you with me? Very simple. Very simple. Either Jesus overcame the world or it's a lie. Do we know more than Jesus? Are there conditions to his overcoming? Even people who believe in end times believe in a final battle. Do you believe he's going to lose? 
for those who believe that. Same question. <laughs> I mean, he helped us. We're not helping him. Jesus needed no help in defeating the enemy. You got to listen. Oh man, you might want to write that down as point two. <laughs> Jesus did not need any help with saving the world. That was an agreement with him between him and the Father. Is that truth or a lie? I'd love to know the thoughts of those that are listening. Is that a truth or a lie? Did Jesus need our help to make that agreement with the Father for us? No, he did not. Are we helping him? Uh, no, he don't need our help. He chooses to work with us. <laughs> oh my goodness. But guess who does have dominion over the earth realm? I mean, we know that Satan is, the scripture tells us that Satan has, um, was given um, dominion over the power of this world, but we have dominion. In other words, we get to choose whether we follow the pattern set by the fallen world in which while we are here, Satan is over, or we get to choose to follow Jesus. We have dominion. We're not going to walk through that scripture anymore. We're not going to go all the way back to Genesis and then back it up all the way back to the resurrection and our authority as a believer. We already know all of that, but you know, what if we're using our authority not at its full potential? <laughs> That's more likely what is going on. It's more likely that we're not living up to our full attention than it is that we're still battling a, a, a stronghold. We have to have the mind of Christ because how he warred looked nothing like us most of the time. This is about Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith. Over and over and over again in different ways, we're given that command, which is why I love for us to study Jesus. We study people too much. The conservatory is an immersive ministry. We're always seeking to see like Jesus. Even Peter, Paul, and James had their own theology, sometimes even conflicting with one another. Oh my goodness. I was taught to believe that Satan and his demons are real and actively seek to oppose and harm God's people. This opposition can take place in many forms. Listen, this is what I was taught. I was taught um, levels and hierarchies of demons. I was taught that, I mean, listen, as I'm sharing this, I want you to see how much effort and emphasis 
has been placed on making the devil known versus revealing Christ. Then I want you to look at the life of Jesus and see what he did. That's all I'm asking you. Because if Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith, if he is the one we are to gaze upon, if we're required to return or become likeness and image, something is very, very wrong here with focus. Are we still good? These are baby steps. Baby steps. So much I want to say, but I can't because it's so important that I give you things that point back to Jesus, not back to books you've read. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we just stand right now and declare that you clear out anything that is hindering our understanding of what we need to hear today. Books, preachers, ideas, the belief that God gives people ministries for the devil. Father, anything in our mind that will cause us to not hear this message or to war with it or to fight between things men have taught us versus what you have actually intended through the mind of Christ, Lord, I just ask for those who are willing to receive this prayer that, Lord, you help them move into this place in Jesus' name. Life is hard. We battle death. We battle breathing underneath systems. If you're having battles in your health and no health insurance, you fight in the healthcare system. If you have a child with special needs and the educational system and they happen to be marginalized, you fight in the educational system. If you live next door to people full of prejudices, you're fighting those strongholds. If you're going to church every day under a pastor that doesn't believe God called women, you're facing patriarchy. And they're endless systems. If you are battling the IRS, there is no person you can blame. It's an institution and a system. Whatever war that exists, whatever battle that's going on, it's probably been a system in place since the beginning of time. Oh my goodness. And then there are the people for selfish reasons that help perpetuate those systems. People who chose to do that. And we're, we have to talk about, this is probably gonna be Bible's part of our Bible study. Because we have to talk about how much the, the Jesus talks about the choices of people. It's easy to believe somebody got, somebody blew and got hit with a devil. That's why they acting like that. When the truth of the matter is, people choose darkness. They're not out of control and possessed and doing it out of possession. Does that happen? Can it happen? Of course. But most people are not operating under that. And the scripture tells us that. 
Most people are following the lusts of the flesh. That's why the Bible say, choose this day who you will serve. The gods of your father or the father. The Bible tells us people are led astray by what? Yes, by the lust of their own flesh. Cain was not possessed when he killed Abel. Diatrophes was not full of devils when he was acting a fool at the church. David was not possessed when he made the decision to take Bathsheba and kill her husband. Moses was not possessed when he murdered that man and tried to hide the body. Oh my God, Lot's daughters were not possessed when they engaged in incest with their father. Those men who raped Dinah were not possessed. Paul was not possessed when he was going around killing Christians. He thought he was doing a service to the faith of the Jews. Are you following me? Oh, James 1.14, but every person is tempted when he is drawn away, enticed, and baited by his own evil desires. We are listening. We these are this is little foundational things. I'm just going through what I was taught because more than likely you were taught some of this stuff too. Again, you can't have in this fallen world, the earth has not been redeemed yet. You know, we're still in a fallen world. And every day we have to make the best decisions. And I say best because it's not always possible to make the ideal decision. Oh my God. Lord, I pray that I'm being understood by your leading today, God. Oh my goodness. So we were taught that opposition can take many forms such as temptation. Opposition does take the form of temptation, but you can only be tempted if it's already in you. Or if there's an influence around you. You know, the Bible, the people of the body of Christ are preoccupied by sex. I've been asking God why Christians are just so twisted up in that one thing. Why? Is that the greatest temptation? Money, power, and sex, as they say, in the world? Maybe that's it. And all the teachers, I mean, my God. But that's another story. We'll talk about, we'll have a whole Bible study just on that. Because we need to understand the nature of humanity versus the pull 
of the things of the world versus what we need to do to resist the enemy. Y'all, we forget that scripture. Resist the enemy and he will flee. Is that a lie? Is James 1.14 a lie? Listen, I know that there are deeper things. We're going to talk about, like, for example, well, the war on drugs, that's a system. That's a power. Human trafficking, <laughs> that's a power. That's a, so we understand, right? But for us, and I'm talking to us as people, individuals, we got to fight a righteous warfare. And that's one in the reality of Christ, not in hallucinations and strange fire. Well, you guys okay? I'm only going to be able to take baby steps today. Only able to take baby steps. But I want us to redefine some things. I've never seen evil the way I have in the eyes of people who molest and rape. Or murder. Cold blood. Not, not accidental. Not a fit of rage. I'm talking practiced and ongoing behavior. We are aware. That's different. We're going to get to those things. We're going to make it practical. So according to the Bible, Christians are equipped with spiritual armor to protect themselves in the battle. The armor includes the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. In other words, all the tools that exist in the mind of Christ, all the things that allowed and created space for Jesus to fulfill his destiny. This is not about that. I just had to read it because I'm always, I was always taught that in response to my understanding of spiritual warfare in the, in the church. We were also taught to pray and use the power to overcome. We were taught intercession. We were taught fasting. You know, there's so many other elements. The number one scripture I was given was Ephesians 6 and 12. This was one of the main spiritual warfare teachings. And again, spiritual warfare is real. We must war. But the issue is how did Christ do it? And what can we learn from Christ's example versus what men have, have taught us? And we're going to walk closely and looking at Christ and Jesus and how he did that, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6 and 12, it says this. It says, for our struggle, or you can say, for we wrestle not. It depends. If your Bible is in another language, you're probably going to have another word there. That's not the same words we use in English. But the overall understanding is, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against powers of darkness, powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. I believe this wholeheartedly. 
These include rulers, authorities, and powers in the dark world. And But this is the thing. Most of the teachings that I got was that everything was a demonic entity. Beyond our control. So we have to fight to take our control back. Wow. And mostly for my bad behavior, I was always looking for a devil to cast out instead of Teresa changing. How can we reclaim what this really means? Are you with me? What needs to happen in a lot of people, even the most evil of these people, is not just about a devil in them. It's about a mind shift. But listen, without Jesus, it is impossible. Point number three. Listen, people can get a level of healing, but can they be healed fully? It all depends on what you believe. If you believe in Jesus, you you know that the only true healing, the only permanent, the only perfect healing is through Jesus. But you have to believe that Jesus is the only way. You have to believe that Jesus is the son of the living God. You have to believe that I can do nothing outside of myself, but only through the power of the living God. You must understand that I have no power. I am nothing without him. Not meaning you pull the stinky rag, that kind. I'm talking, we are powerless to be effectual. Don't get this confused with identity. You can have a powerful identity and not even know Jesus. We're talking about our identity in Christ. Oh my goodness. Guys are so quiet. (laughs) So quiet. But we've got to walk through this. We've got to walk through this. I'm going to end by just giving you some definitions of this. So I had to recognize that I can't scapegoat everything to a spiritual understanding that tells me everything is the devil. Are you with me? Remember, I as a believer have been given dominion. So if there is no order in my area of my area of influence, I'm not talking somebody else's job. I'm talking the things that you have charge over. If I can't bring order, that's why the Bible tells us, you know, your own household needs to be set in order. We can't control people. I'm not talking about grown folks. Let's be clear. But we have to make sure that we understand our own dominion. 
and hear me when I say this, because when we use our dominion in alignment with the world system, it produces chaos. So I want you to consider this. Those who do not follow Christ and who are following the world system are perpetuating their dominion under the wrong God. Are you following? This is very important because if God, if you are, if Marmaduke is your God, which is the God of Babylon, if that is your God, every system will reflect that God because you are still powerful. Oh my God. Oh. Well, the Lord of the harvest is needed to dismantle a system is to dismantle the powers operating in the people. So we seek to help people know who Jesus is because real warfare is this. It is the forceful release of the kingdom of God into the realms of evil and darkness to bring his light using the supernatural technology of the kingdom released to us. Spiritual warfare is not a, a man's attack on the devil. I'm sorry, it's not. We don't have that kind of power. That was God's enemy. But listen, we know in the new covenant that Paul and the others were saying, well, you know, Satan is after you. That when we read those things in context, they understood that the battle was against light and that the number one role they had was shining the light of Christ. We forget that Paul taught that even before your enemy, you are to show mercy. So well, I can't, the scripture says something like, um, Lord, bring it to my attention. He did a whole discourse on it. Reprove your adversary gently. That's what the scripture says. And in doing so, you might win him into the kingdom. That's why Jesus said, love your enemy as yourself. Because he understood the power of light. If you want to dismantle a system what people think is weakness is actually your greatest weapon, love. How many times should I, I, I ask for forgiveness? <laughs> oh my God, should I forgive my brother? How many times? <laughs> 70 times seven. Some of you are going to get this. This is just the basics. I really can't go any further than this. This is like just the scratch of our mind shift that needs to take place. What if I told you, 
that the world is in the condition it's in, not because the devil is ruling and reigning, but because the church and the people in it don't know their power. Of their authority. We're too busy fighting over Beyonce and the Grammys. We're too busy worrying about political parties. I mean, but anyway. I was taught about the rulers or principalities in some translations which revert, refers to spiritual entities that have a certain level of authority or influence over particular regions, nations, or people groups. I believe in that. I'm not telling y'all I don't believe in these things. It's the how that I have a problem with. I have a problem with the how, and I have a problem with the excessive focus on the demonic, which causes people not to take authority over themselves and look at this role. What role do I have in perpetuating this problem? Or what role do I have in being the solution to this problem? Or, or, or the mind of Christ is not there. Oh my God. The term authorities or powers refer, this is what I was taught, refers to the spiritual entities that have the power to influence or control people's thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. I mean, if we're going to be on a very basic level, then Burger King, if you work for it, is controlling you. I mean, this is just very basic. You can't get to work because your car broke down. Burger King, four miles away, you can't walk. You can, but you'll be out of work by the time you get there. But you lose sleep for, for, for three nights because you know that they didn't put you back on the schedule and now you're enslaved to the fear of being fired. So it just depends on how you look at this. Or my paycheck comes 29% of it is gone because of taxes and other stuff that has to come out then I go buy food and gas and I'm taxed again then I go and file my tax return which is law and I owe $5,000 It's a system. I'm just, I'm just giving, this is not the only thing. This is basic. Oh man, I went to, I taught on portals at a, at a spiritual warfare conference about seven years ago. And um, I did something related to sex trafficking. And, you know, we're taught, you know, we're only taught from the perspective of the, we're only taught, I was only taught from the perspective of the demonic. But when you open your eyes, and I think we know this, saying we don't know it, it's just that the way we've been taught it, we operate from this place as if there is nothing physical or natural that can take place to turn it around. 
I don't know if you guys remember this story. I'm not even going to talk about that because it'll take too long. I don't know if you remember this story, but there was this guy, this black man who um, um, built a relationship with a KKK member and he was set free. Now, if you go back, I just, I really would love for you to watch the documentary on this. This wasn't just a person who hated somebody. This was the ultimate white supremacist who had probably committed murders we know not of. I'm sure they shared stories that will never be told. But he was dismantled by love. Listen. Does that mean there's not something in the atmosphere? No, we, we know the Bible tells us Satan is the rule of this world. Maybe this world is not free of the influence that he brings to the table. What Jesus gave us was our redemption. The blood was for us and it was for Abel. Oh my goodness. The term authorities. We just did that. Powers and powers of darkness refers to, I was taught it refers to spiritual entities that operate in darkness and seek to spread darkness and confusion throughout the world. Like a ghost or something, just going around dropping dirt. Systems perpetuate darkness. It's the nature of a system. In this country, slavery perpetuated a darkness, but it was dismantled. It was a bloody dismantling. It was a brutal dismantling, but it was dismantled in that sense. None of us are slaves in a cotton field. Let's say it that way. Are slaves in other countries where I, I think about the Holocaust a lot. That is one of the things that I have studied so deeply because it, to me is one of the most cruelest acts in history. And I don't think anything hardly outside of American slavery and indigenous history, not just on this in, in America, but in other continents, indigenous history. Don't just think it's the United States. Big mistake. mistake if we think that but listen these things have been going on for centuries long before the united states became a nation we're the one of the youngest nations in the world most people don't even know that i don't even think we're 600 years old are we i think we may be 525 or something like that as a nation but it's across the world Oh my goodness. We're going to go deeper in the three, these three areas every week. But the main points today is that you know God is greater. That you understand Jesus needed no help. And that you know the biggest problem in the world today is not the devil, it's the church. God is not waiting for the sinner. He's waiting for the saint. 
he said he will not return until the church is without spot or wrinkle. He's not waiting on sinners. He's not waiting on a defeated devil. Because as far as God's concerned, that's done. He's giving us mercy and grace with time. He's giving us opportunity. Oh my goodness. Father, I just thank you for sharing with us today just this little bit. I know that we're going to walk through it, but I want them to just consider this one step in the understanding that I know you want to bring to us. Give us something to ponder. Let us hold on to that question, how did you war Jesus? And I want us to think about it from the mind of Christ, not from visible action. That's part of it but it's what was taking place in Christ's mind that makes the difference because if we can have a revelation of the mind of Christ, we will have a revelation of our authority in the earth, our dominion, the believer's authority. Give us insight and understanding. It's about your light. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen.